Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Brave Worship, Episode 7. having a great summer so far. We are just a couple weeks in and I know we have been enjoying the laid backness of summer. Um but we've also been trying to stay focused too, huh? Yeah, the almost sleeping in, but your kids still have to go to workouts at six thirty. Uh, yes, for sure. Right? Yes. Yeah. But almost. Yeah, they're still my kids are still getting up early. Your kids have been sleeping in. They have been sleeping in a little bit more. I just run them, run them, run them all day long. And then put them to bed a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> and hope for the best the next day. But sometimes they still get up early. So that's true. Anyway, I know it's been crazy. And I know that summer is a time where people are, you know, they're vacationing and they're, the schedule is not the same, you know? Right. Um, but one of the things that I know that's been on my mind, and I know it's been on yours because we've been talking about it a lot, is trying to keep that focus and still be, you know, pressing into the Lord. And even mm-hmm. those weeks where you have to get out of that schedule and that routine, just still be doing that and mm-hmm. just advancing, you know? for yeah. your ministry and for pouring into yourself and the whole Sabbath thing we just talked about with Tasha, mm-hmm. um, just continuing that process. So Yeah. Well, we took a little vacation up to our homeland, Michigan, our family did last week. Mm-hmm. And that was good. That was Sabbath, too. And um, just seeing the lake and being outside. And, and just the fudge alone, the Mackinac Island fudge. I mean, fudge, fudge is Sabbath. What can fudge I say? is Sabbath. I don't know how that didn't come up in the last podcast. How did podcast. it not? Chocolate, any kind of chocolate. Any kind of chocolate. Right? Oh, no, now I have yeah. to have chocolate today. I know. Great. Now we have to go get something. Oh, man. We never should have brought it up. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> It's not coffee, it's chocolate. That's right. But you guys also just bought a house, we should mention. We did, yeah. That was exciting. Yeah, we're really excited. It's been a long time of transition for us, but I think it's God's timing now, you Mm -hmm. know, so we're really, really excited. Yeah. It's going to be the next, one of our things that we love to do in our homes is just make it like a landing place for people, you know, and a place for ministry. And I feel like we searched a long time Uh (laughs) for a house that can accommodate that, that has a big open space, you know, and so... That's going to be a lot of fun. We're excited. Yeah. Well, it's great just to see that process unfold. I know it's more fun for us watching that process than it is for you. It's going to be way but, more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool just to see how you ultimately ended up with everything pretty much on your list of things you really would love, but yeah. you didn't know if you would get. And I remember you getting to the point even of saying, you know, you might just have to pick something that's. That's not your favorite. I know. Well, it felt yeah. like that. And I think, too, that our criteria had become criteria, criteria, <laughs> became so uh, specific, I think, yeah. 
that we had, there was some things that we had to let go of. But I think at the same time, I've been praying that God, would you just like surprise us when you give us a house? Yeah. Don't just give us, you know, the, our absolute basic need, but give us some things that would just be like a surprise like that. Oh, I would just love to have yeah. that, you know, kind of thing. So, and I, I feel like that'll definitely be true. So yeah. I'm excited That's great. for sure. Yeah. Well, he's provided for you again. So yeah, he absolutely has. Yeah. So I, you've been reading some of the coolest stuff lately and learning some of the coolest stuff. And I think you should just, just share some of that with people because I think it's stuff that all of us need to hear poured yeah. over us over and over, you know? Uh-huh. Well, I think, you know, um, I, my brain has been exploding with this whole grace thing, which is so basic to our beliefs and, um, you know, grew up hearing about it all the time, hearing about it all the time and, and still hear about it all the time. But I think God's just opening up my understanding a little bit. We went through an intensive marriage retreat a couple weeks ago. It was unreal as far as greater understanding about grace. Um, but also I started reading this book by Wayne Jacobson um, called He Loves Me. And it basically, you know, it talks about that whole performance mentality. And I think just as worship leaders and writers, you know, um, it's almost like a natural inclination to be that way, um, to be performance based. And even in our religion, it, it, I mean, I think it crosses over into both, into our hearts. You know, it kind of, if you're a creative or a performer or a worship leader, it'll seep in when you don't even and see it coming, basically. Um, it's an easy trap for us. So basically, I have bought into that trap um, for many years. And I think just growing up, you know, in the church, and um, I think it's just kind of, you have to work your way through that regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's kind of what his premise is. He talks about, you know, the daisy flower and how we used to play that game all the time growing up when we were little. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And and it's like almost as, you know, as this performance-based view, that's how we see our relationship with God. If we're doing well, he loves us and we have his favor. If we're doing poorly or if we're failing, or if we're not living up or measuring up, we see ourselves as not being loved by him, which is crazy. But um, but that's really the heart of what that book is. But he had some quotes in there that have literally rocked my world. And I'm going to read a couple of those. Um, basically, he says that we have to ha- we have a choice to live loved or to not live loved. The truth is we are loved. But we don't always live like it because that choice is up to us and God always gives us free will. And, you know, a lot of us hide from God's love in different ways. But here's what rocks my world. Um, One of those ways is rebellion, which honestly I thought was the only way for a long time um, that we hid from God's love. But he points out that the other way to hide from God's love is religion. And, um, good works, obligation, keeping score. But either way, both of those things are actually in denial of true relationship. You know what is insane too with that is I think that those of us who fall more on the religious side of it, the religion, Mm -hmm. like that's our trap um, versus the rebellion side. It's so easy for us to judge the people that are on the other side, you know? And I also think that um, in 
any kind of performance-based ministry, which that's really sort of what it is. I hate to even call it that. But if you're in worship leading or if you're yeah. in songwriting, there is an element of performance. There's mm-hmm. an element of perfecting your skill. And really, that's a noble practice, right? Yes. To the glory of God, to get it to the best place that you can get it to be. Absolutely. But I think because that is the case, mm-hmm. that every day we've got to fight against that. Right. That mentality, you know, yeah. every single day. And every single day we have to fight against, um, you know, sort of that Pharisee, like, religious part of it as well. It's like, we want to stay consistent with our quiet time. We want to go to church on a regular basis and be a part of the fellowship of Christ, right? And all these things. But if we're keeping track of it, if we're, you know, if it's becoming the God before the actual God that needs to be the God, then that's where, you know, the issues come in, I think. so. Yeah. Well, and even just if you're standing up leading worship and you're looking out at your congregation, um, you know, sometimes we're reading people's hearts by their faces and in that way, judging mm-hmm. even in the moment while we're leading, there can be a little bit of that, you know, judgmental Pharisee kind of thing, even rising up in that moment. And even, you know, even in the writer's room, if we're completely honest, I mean, even in the writer's room, sometimes that judgmental, whatever, that'll come up in the writer's room too. And it's, I think it's just this constant feeling. Here's another thing you said, living in his grace uh, leads to freedom from sin, but living in his judgment leads to even greater sin. You know, so if we are, if we are feeling like we're under his judgment ourselves, then we tend to judge other people too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a key component of that whole thing. I mean, our view of God influences our view of others in a big way. And so that's why it's even more important to have, you know, that grace thing, have a hold of it um, in your own life with your relationship with the Lord before you even step into any of these other roles. I agree. And I think it's just like a slippery slope because if you think that God views you in a way that's maybe more... um, I don't know, judgmental than it really yeah. is, or without the grace covering that we do have. Yes. Um, we're automatically going to see other people in that same way too. And we hold ourselves to these high, high standards. And some of us, I mean, I've got a perfectionist part to me, you know, and what? <laughs> it's just a little, Even a little, just tiny thread running through. But yeah, I, I think, yeah. but when we do that to ourselves, we're, we're automatically, we don't even mean it, but we're going to do it to the people around us that we care about. We're going to yeah. do it to our kids. Yes. You know, the people in our ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you're saying, even people you don't even know, you might look out and see them in your congregation and you're you're judging them to a level. And so many times yes. it's a selfish endeavor because they're not giving back what you need. Oh, I need people to be engaged in this worship. Yeah. I need somebody in the writing room to say, yes, this is a great idea. Yes. Let's go with this. And they're not giving it to you. And so we, we do judge, you know? Yeah. And so... Uh... Here's what here's what else he said that relates to this. He said he didn't want to use uh, his magnificence to dwarf us, but to elevate us into friendship with an incredible father. So that whole perspective just shifts if we can see ourselves in that light. Like he didn't, he's not wanting to use punitive measures towards us or shaming or blaming or any of those things that we we sometimes feel. And I think even culturally, as Christians, like that judgmental thing comes through. 
Um, and there is some degree of that. I mean, that is honest truth of who God is. There is a judgment part of who he is. But but for us that are set free in Christ, um, Christ became all of our sin. And so we now literally can live in him. Our life has been hidden in him and we get to live his life in us, um, which is a way more beautiful way to live. And ultimately, it comes up to this. And this is probably my favorite quote of what he said. Um, I've been trying to earn points with someone who's no longer keeping score. <laughs> what? Do you ever feel like you're trying to live up to some standard or some line of favor in order to continually keep um, yourself in right standing with God? Because I do. I, I have lived with that mentality for a long time. I've lived with this thought, you know, that that his love for me is based on my performance. And, um, and just to kind of grasp some insight into has nothing to do with that. His love for me makes me feel so free that I don't have to live up to some standard. Mm-hmm. And it almost makes me laugh at myself. But also it gives me great more grace for other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the thought of that. And I think that there is such freedom in that. And I feel like we're like hitting the tip of the iceberg of this topic, you know? Yeah. Like you can only get so much out in um, you know, a short podcast like this. But I think yeah. just absorbing the information, because I went through the same um the same marriage counseling that you guys did, and just uh-huh. being able to absorb the idea that he is not keeping score anymore. Um, And and not like, of course we know intellectually, we know like we are saved, you know, by the blood of Jesus. We are not earning our salvation. We could never earn it. We can never, you know, have that kind of perfection. We know that intellectually, but working that out in our day-to-day lives where we actually just have the grace to accept it and live under, what was it he said? Live under the line of the what? Live with the love. <laughs> oh, live, laugh, love. Choose to live in love. Choose to live in love. Yeah. If we choose to live um, with that, I think that's where the difference comes in. Because I think all yeah. of us would agree on the principles. Yes. But it's just living it on a daily basis where there's actually that acceptance of it. That's what it is. It's the acceptance of it on a daily basis. Every day we get up and we choose to accept his love and his grace for us for that day, you know, and we choose to know that no matter what we've messed up with, and even we get to the end of the day and we look back on the day, no matter what we did, that his love has not changed, you know? Yes. And I think it's also um, choosing trust Mm -hmm. because sometimes we, you know, we still like to be in control and we like to control um, our own performance as it relates to the Lord. And, and, you know, we feel like we should be getting something back. From him, if we're performing well, all that. But instead, choosing to just literally rest in his presence and just trust his ways are greater than ours. And um, I think sometimes, you know, it's easier said than done, but but there is a real freedom that comes when you let go of performance and you completely trust God's ways. And, you know, uh, Wayne is a pastor and he talks specifically about in uh, his ministry, how for years he would see these people that would be, you know, the main volunteer person that would always volunteer for everything. Um, He used to see those people as gems in the congregation. Like if the congregation was just full 
of those people that gave everything they had to that church, it would be a, such an easier um, congregation to run kind of a thing. And he, he actually had one of the ladies come back to him years later and say, basically, you know, I'm divorced. Um, you know, I lost my family and my world fell apart and I've been through a lot of counseling and all that I served the church, it was out of performance space. I didn't understand grace. Mm-hmm. And I just want to ask you, why didn't you stop me? You were my pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as pastors, even living with that responsibility to keep an eye out for that in order to be able to quench that, you know, if it comes up in order to be able to stop it, in order to be able to, you know, if you see that happening, just get to the heart, have a conversation with that person and make sure, you know, that there aren't other things in their life that are being, that are being put on the back burner for the sake of them performing for the sake of serving the church. Absolutely. And I think that that's a good thing to watch out for with people because, um, you know, some, some of us are actually fed by that service in a way that is unhealthy. You know uh-huh. what I mean? We're getting yeah. an affirmation for that performance that is not, it's not ideal and it's not best, you know? So, and I sometimes, Hey, sweetie, we've got a little visitor to our podcast. You want to say hi? A big eyed brown boy. <laughs> say hi. I mean, no. a big brown eyed boy. Yeah. That does have a great brown tan. Yes, it does. This is Jonas, our little sweetie. Say hi, Jones. Um, the verse that really stood out to me this morning and I thought Mm -hmm. it was so funny when we were going to talk about this today that it's like it it will relate and that is um, from Hebrews 11 1 now faith is confidence in what we hope Mm -hmm. for and assurance of what we do not see and I think when I think of this performance-based mentality um, I think of we try to do it ourselves. I, I will think when, whether it's regard to, uh, you know, ministry or business or my family relationships, yeah. I think, okay, I'm going to fix this. I will fix it. Yeah. I'm going to do the work to fix it. And instead I think we have to trust in that grace that he's provided and have the faith, you know, to be able to say, I know you're going to do this, God, you're going to do it. Not me, yes. you know? Because I think farmers fix stuff themselves. They do fix them themselves. And we grew up on a farm. <laughs> we didn't call anybody so to fix true. our toilet. No, we didn't. We had to figure it out, right? Absolutely. I think that's part of, yeah, I think that's part of that whole mentality, too. I am, too. And I love that verse. I, I, it makes me think of the verse, too, that, that says it's all for freedom that he set us free. Mm-hmm. It was for freedom. So, um I think when we can truly grasp onto that, I think emotionally it just lifts something off of us. Mm-hmm. It literally lifts weights off of us, and we finally feel free to be ourselves. Absolutely. And, and be comfortable in our own skin. Well, and I think that that's the challenge for today, for all of us, is to live in that freedom. The freedom of His grace. And I think if you, you know, this has been a great book to recommend. If, uh-huh. if we could put the link out there probably to it. Yeah. But I think um, if you need more on this, I think it's a great way to start because we've got to live out of that grace as we lead people and as we're, you know, pouring out um, God's creativity. And It just, you know what it's making me think of? Dave Ramsey. You know how they all scream freedom at the end if they cut up their credit cards? Yes. Let's cut off our religious credit cards today, let's everyone. Let's cut those things. Let's cut them up and let's scream freedom as we wrap things up today. <laughs> okay, let's Jones, do, do you want to help us scream freedom? What We're going to say freedom. What does that mean? It, it means free. you're free 
It means you don't have anybody holding you back. Can you yell it in here? You want to scream freedom with us? One, you ready? Here we go. One, two. Join us, guys. Two, three. Freedom! Cut up those religious credit cards. Let's get rid of it. Let's stop being. Yeah. Let's quit borrowing life and let's live life love. Absolutely. That sounds good to me. Choose to live love in freedom. Amen. Yes. All right. Have a good week, guys. We're going to the pool. If you didn't hear, have a great week. Find us at braveworship.com. Make sure you jump on our email list for a free song download. You can also find us on facebook.com forward slash braveworship. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation, You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.